It's the 10 to 1 Podcast with your host, Brad Oman, featuring Ben Conowitz and Nate Lauks. And here's the podcast. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what was that? That was like a new SNL character you're working on. Yes, hey, 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 hey. I'm, I'm, I'm workshopping that one. Good. Ha, 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 Mildly excited podcast host. <laughs> you don't sound like a ghost doing it anymore, Brad. I love it. Uh, I never thought you sounded like a ghost. Yeah, see, that's what I think too. But you know, Ben's just being mean because he's in a very warm place and we're in Coldville. I know. Yes. Seriously, it well, it was where we're at in the Midwest was a balmy fifty degrees today, so we're fine, Ben. We don't need warm weather. All right. Hey, it was sixty-one where I am. So, <laughs> hey, um, so do you guys even remember what we do on this podcast? It's something about shoes. Yeah, li- different kinds of shoes: pumps, uh, sneakers, high tops, flip flops, Crocs. All of the above. Those are all the shoes, I think. From sizes 10 to 1. Yes. Ooh. I oh, I did it. <laughs> uh, this is a Saturday Night Live podcast. And uh, usually what we do is we'll, we will uh, recap every new episode of SNL, talk about how much we like the sketches, what our favorite ones are, and whatnot. But uh, we're in between episodes right now because of the Olympics. And we decided to do at least one episode uh, where we did something a little bit different. Uh, we'll be back with another normal new episode after John Mulaney hosts uh, this coming weekend to cap off February. And that'll be fun because he's joining the Five Timers Club. Finally, the Olympics are over. Uh, tell me about it. I don't even pay attention anymore. Um, I don't know if I ever did, really. I did. But, <laughs> but uh, so what we decided to do, um, in case you didn't know, this year marks the 30th anniversary of Wayne's World, which is the uh, second ever Saturday Night Live film adapted from a sketch following the Blues Brothers in the 80s. Uh, and Wayne's World is actually the most successful Saturday Night Live film as well, grossing over $100 million uh, at, at the box office, which is pretty cool. And so uh, we just figured we'd have some fun digging back into uh, both the Wayne's World sketches and the movie that uh, premiered in 1992 actually on Valentine's Day a great great little date night movie back in 1992 I didn't know that yeah Valentine's Day yeah right on Valentine's Day so uh, for, to start off with I thought we should talk about uh, when do you, do you guys remember the first time you guys experienced Wayne's World was it the movie was it the sketches on SNL it was the sketches on SNL and I remember you know, again, so this is like the era, late 80s. I think the first one was in 89, was. 90, 89, 90. I was about 9 or 10 when I first remember starting to watch SNL, staying up late. Um, so my parents were divorced. Every other weekend, I would sleep in the living room of my dad's house, and I would watch it. And I loved every second of it. And so these are some of the first characters that I, rem- like, that I remember as a kid. Yeah. And I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world and there was such a um there was such a raw energy to the show back then not just in wayne's world like the characters there but there was so much good talent in there yeah that i feel like we're almost pushing boundaries like like you could tell now looking back that the show was in a major evolution at that season and wayne's yeah. world seemed to have a pretty important part in that evolution yeah it definitely felt like it brought it into like a, a different uh generation like it was start, really starting to like pass the torch from yep. that that cast that started the show because the 80s were kind of rough and there's not really anything like iconic from that series with the exception of some things that like eddie murphy did yeah, and stuff early early 80s yeah, there's a couple but yeah. like the 90s really like ushered in a whole new era for snl ben how about you with wayne's world ben have you yeah, ever seen wayne's world 
Yes, of course. Uh, uh, one time uh, today. So for me, it was the top 10 list. I remember Wayne's World and the top 10 list being hand in hand. So I w- I, I remember Garth pulling the placard to the side and revealing the thing and me th- immediately my dumb 10 year old brain being like, oh, I wonder what the joke's going to be like. That was the fun part for me. Uh, and I always thought it was uh, I thought they did that every time watching some of these older ones. I realized it didn't start off like that. And so it was very interesting. But I do remember when I was a kid, I really, really loved the, of course, the energy. They're silly. They're they're saying, you know, sphincter boy. They're saying words I'm not allowed to say at school. Like that was, it was naughty and it was fun. And we're a couple of years older than Brad, but Ben, do you remember going to school and being like, sphincter says what? You know, yeah. trying to get people yeah. to say what? You know, it was, it was, it really became a part of the cultural lexicon in a way that an SNL sketch in my lifetime hadn't done at that yeah. point, you know, and it, yeah. it was everywhere. It was just everything. It taught so, me sarcasm for the first time, really, because you'd say, you know, I like your shirt, not. Yeah. And <laughs> that was a huge thing in fifth grade. Like I said it every day and it was, I'm sure the teachers just hated Wayne and Garth because of how much of the vernacular in, you know, small town Midwest, you know, uh, happened. Watching these lately, you can really hear Mike Myers' Canadian accent. And I really didn't notice that when I was a kid. Yeah, I'm not even sure as kids we were aware of like the differences between Americans yeah. and Canadians. <laughs> and I think that influenced the way I said it on the playground, though, because I'm like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that word. Yeah. So you got yeah, you guys are like four or five years older than I am. And so for me, actually, my first experience with the world came from the movie. Um, and I never actually owned the movie on VHS, but I would watch it all the time when we would go to my aunt and uncle's house because they had it on VHS. And that's where I would watch it repeatedly. Every time I went over there, I would watch it. And I, I loved it. Uh, it. I definitely, like Ben said, you know, I learned sarcasm from that. There were so many things I would say from that movie, like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, the not jokes and as if and uh, doing swing and all that stuff. And so uh, I, as I, when I was around that age and I would stay up late enough to see SNL and I started like, uh, I knew when that Wayne's world was from Saturday night live. And if I was late, uh, up late enough, I would watch it with my parents and hope that there was a Wayne's world sketch. And most of the time ended up being disappointed. But then I also came to like love SNL because of that, because I started seeing what else was on the show and I started, you know, uh, liking Chris Farley and, uh, you know, uh, other stuff that Mike Myers and Dana Carvey did and really uh, starting to engage with the show beyond Wayne's World. Um, but it's it's really it was really interesting, like how the the sketch evolved across the the history of it. So if you go on YouTube right now, uh, it has they have Saturday Night Live YouTube channel has every Wayne's World ever. And it's separated into three different parts, and it starts twenty-two with, of them. Yeah, That's it starts it. at the very beginning and goes uh, um, up through the the mid '90s. Uh, it doesn't have the Madonna sketch though, and I think that's because of music rights. Uh, could be, yes. And there, there's one that um, was the season eighteen episode eight one. So I read about this one in one of the SNL books as I was preparing for this episode. Yeah. Um, they made fun of Chelsea Clinton in that episode. I actually looked that up because I I noticed a weird edit in one of the sketches. Yeah, yeah. So it could have been that episode yeah. um, where essentially they pulled they pulled the sketch um, like from from future air airing. And, oh, because uh, I read and I, I found an old. Um, no, they could Seattle, have edited that yeah, out and then it was put an it old, back a in. Seattle Times newspaper. They said that in, in subsequent airings they cut that joke out. Because you know, and and again, and, and Brad, you can talk about a little bit later of what you learned about Lauren Michaels in in talking to the director of Wayne's World. Because I think you learned just as much about him probably as anybody. But uh, 
um, he, he doesn't like to punch down. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so he really felt that that was punching down. Obviously, you're, you're, yeah. you're picking on a kid. Well, there was a lot of backlash, too. Yeah. So the, jo- the joke was apparently uh, – so she was number two on a top ten list of things that they liked, didn't like about Bill Clinton. Uh, and she was number two in Chelsea Clinton. And they basically said that, like, uh, as an adolescent, she was like a future babe, you know? And yep. so it was like a weird, like, kind of reference. To, uh, she but was she was a teenager, clearly, time. right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you probably can't do that. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, there's a really uh, a, a quick, almost unnoticeable edit they make in that sketch that is still in the the ensemble on those YouTube uh, roundups. And then yeah. it, just, it just goes straight to a live from New York from Saturday night, which I'll, I'll lead that in talking about. I was surprised by how many cold opens Wayne's World was given, considering don't really do other sketches outside of political stuff anymore. And it started as the 10 to 1, right? So it yeah. started as essentially a throwaway sketch. Like, you guys have your fun here at the 10 to yeah. 1. And then I, I wonder how many other 10 to 1 sketches have gained – I mean, obviously not that much popularity, yeah. but essentially went from the 10 to 1 to the opening, right? right? Um, yeah, because there's been 22, 22 Wayne's World iterations on SNL throughout the years. Most of them, obviously, they've come back a couple times, I think. And, yeah. the, you know, and uh, knowing, knowing that there is 22, I don't think that the, that you, those YouTube roundups have every single They, they might not. Cause I, especially because I don't think that they have like the later ones they did for like the 40th yep. anniversary. and like Within the, the last like six years, I think they've done two yeah. like even. So um, they've, they've got a couple in there. But anyway, you, you, you look through those and you you see them and you realize that like they knew they had a hit because it was on let's say three times in the first year right and so anytime you have a repetitive sketch you know you're doing something right in the second year in season 15 it was on six times yeah i don't know of another sketch the character that's been on like six times in a a season like that i mean that is a pretty that's a lot i mean i'm yeah i I know of three maybe four but six is a ton in one season to put a a character on i I mean it could be i I feel like most of the characters that did do it were the ones that ended up getting movies because Probably. they were so popular. You know, Pat, these kind of things. You Coneheads, know. Uh, Sister Mary Catherine Gallagher, yep. The Night the Roxbury yep. guys. You know, all the, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, maybe maybe Will Ferrell and uh, the, the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah they could have because I, I do remember quite a bit of those uh, sketches. Um, but anyway, interesting kind of just to see the evolution that um, I was also reading for our listeners. That um, again, Conan O'Brien's on the uh, Rob, Conan O'Brien and his writing partner Robert Smigler are on the staff of SNL when Mike Myers is there, yeah. and essentially Conan tells him, "This isn't anything, right?" You know, <laughs> and, and so Conan tells the story that essentially Mike Myers still brings it to the read through, and like you know, he's going to try to push it, and and Conan the way of course Conan tells it is the only way Conan can tell it because he's such a gifted to- storyteller, but essentially he says. I think this guy's just going to have to learn, right? He's going to have to get cut down on his own. And, you know, and Conan's like, you know, in hindsight, what, you know, he doesn't know, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought about this, like, how many sketches, like if they would have listened to Conan and Robert Smigel, two of the, probably the best comedians, comedy might have come out of yeah. SNL, right? I mean, everyone that's been on SNL says, that was with Conan, says he was the funniest guy there. Yeah. How many sketches didn't make it just because somebody said, I yeah. just don't think that's it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, that's crazy. But uh, it, it, it did. And and I think, uh, again, probably the most successful sketch franchise of SNL history, right? 
Yeah, I think I mean definitely at least when it comes to like as far as mass appeal and mainstream success, especially because of how big their box office was. This this movie was a huge hit, um, and so I thought it was its hat. <laughs> um, what Stewart saves his family, I think, was also. A it is interesting. It, it is it is interesting, guys, because this kind of again we we were young at the time. Brad was a couple of years younger, but this was really the the beginning of the SNL film renaissance that happened with yeah, it was uh, Adam Sandler and Chris Farley and David Spade and some of my still favorite comedies of all time, right? I mean, the, the things that I try to tell my kids, this is, you know, I'm yeah. that dad. This is a funny movie, you know? <laughs> this is comedy. Yeah, this is real funny, you know? Uh, <laughs> you got to see Chris Farley do it. And, uh, you know, and, and all in that, like, seven to eight years after this, yeah. you know? What, what an amazing run. Yeah, and it wasn't just, like, the SNL movies, because obviously SNL movies, they had some duds. But, it's yep. you know, it's Tommy Boy, it's, it's yep. Billy Madison, it's Happy Gilmore. Yep, not yeah. necessarily birth from sketches, but birth but from SNL cast. stardom, yeah. yeah. Like and Lorne Michaels famous. produced him, I think, a yeah. lot of them. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, pretty amazing, honestly. And really formative for our generation of people that are fans of comedy, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. There were some interesting things. It was... It, Seeing the evolution was really interesting to me because it starts off uh, very similar to what the movie ended up re- representing as far as the show is concerned. It's uh, weirdly enough, only the first three sketches are in Wayne's basement uh, yes. or, or at least in the basement yep. as we see it in the yep. movie with the stairs and everything. Yep. And so and the, the those sketches, they, the formula they followed was like the talk show format. And then they did like a funny reenactment. It or was public access TV, right? Yeah, exactly. And so that that continues, but then like the style of the sketch changes, uh, both in the set design because they move to like either what looks like a different basement set or like a living room set. There's no stairs anymore. It's not quite as big. It's like just a wall with wood paneling and the couch and the chair and that a weird painting that's in the background. <laughs> and that continues throughout the the rest of the the sketches as long as they go on. Uh, until they, they, at some point though, they ended up going back to the basement set when they like started bringing them back for like reunions or like yeah. later, later episodes. But then they get into, it, it's not until the fifth or sixth sketch that they get into the top 10 lists, like Ben said. And that was like, that's what people remember the most. Yep. And I had forgotten that it was mostly all about movie stuff, you know, like the, uh, they did the Bill Clinton one, but yep. like that was one of the, like the, the rarer ones, but most of it was about like, Oscar picks or just like summer movies or like what happened. You it know, was reviews. Some yeah. of them that were reviews. That was what got me laughing the most. Yeah. You know, uh, Wayne, what did you think? Garth, what did you think? Yeah. And just, I think it sucked. <laughs> yeah. And those first few sketches were so simple too. And yeah. the, the first one isn't even very good. That's they, what I was telling you they, earlier today. They yeah. do the same joke twice in a row. And in its entirety, they do a list of movies, they give their opinions and then they get out a chart that they was read the their weirdest, opinions all over again. That was the weirdest part. I thought, I don't remember them doing this. Yeah. I don't remember them doing the jokes and then doing the jokes again. Like, this is so strange. And uh, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, we sometimes critique sketches because they're good sketches, but they go a minute or two too long. Yeah. That's what I thought of that one, uh, Ben. <laughs> I was like, the, okay. The, and I love, so I love, of course, the, I really laughed hard at the drunk driving PSA when they were yeah. doing the, re- the reenactment thing where he's in the car and yeah. the, and Garth has the tree going by really quickly. Yeah. My dad was howling. He's watching it with me, howling, laughing at that. <laughs> we were really going. I mean, that I would laugh if that was on today. It's incredible. So, yes, they got away from that format. And part of me is like, oh, I don't know if they should have because 
yeah, the top 10 lists were, were great and all, but man, they were when it's it's two adolescent almost kids that are maybe overgrown kids that are recreating the those things. That the more um public access part of it was really the humor for me. I the top 10 lists are fine, but man, those first couple were incredible. Ed O'Neill. Oh man! He's almost dead. didn't recognize that O'Neill, honestly, because yeah. he was so almost—he was super young, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad, but also just kind of like um, vulnerable. Yeah, <laughs> that sketch. And it was that, just that so was weird to during see the married with children like yeah. hype time. But what's what's really funny is that he's because he's in the Wayne's World movie as Glenn at mm-hmm. Stan Mikita's Donuts, but it's a completely different character. Yep. So it's yeah, they didn't, they didn't carry that over. Uh, but speaking of carrying things over, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, uh, and it's not just with Wayne's World, but Mike Myers loves to reuse jokes yes. from Saturday Night Live in movies all the time. There are so many jokes in Austin Powers that come from various sketches, Wayne's World, Austin Powers, and and all all that. Like the, the thing with the stairs and the escalator and the canoe, it's in Austin Powers. The uh, the thing where he said the say Patrick Swayze's head so big it has its own weather system. It's a joke that's in So I Married an Axe Murderer. Yeah, they even did a joke twice throughout Wayne's World's run that wasn't just like a recurring joke. They like uh, made Garth get pubes twice <laughs> during the run of sketches, and then that's a joke that they use in Wayne's World too as yep. well. So like there's there's so many things that Mike Myers has recycled, and like it's so weird to me. Like for somebody who is revered as being, you know, a, a, a comedy genius, albeit one who is is not somewhat difficult to work with, apparently, that like he's kind of gotten away with using jokes that he already did before. Which is funny because it it is. What's interesting about this is, you know, as all of us are online and these things, you know, you, you you've got these things. Let's say called a Sorkinism, and everyone that follows film knows what a Sorkinism yeah. is because he reuses tropes and things like this. You never hear this about Mike Meyer, though, right? Yeah. Mike Myers, because he he does reuse so much of it, but that's really not anything anybody talks about until you rewatch the sketches yeah, and you exactly. realize, oh no, like you said, oh, and and, and I I wonder too if if some of what he was doing was just kind of workshopping so much of the other characters that end up coming out in more full and you know Maybe. Austin Powers and stuff like that. But so. like the jokes that he reuses are more so like. There, it's either a visual gag or it's like a funny one-liner that he has just transferred over like to the punchline is the same, right? Yeah, exactly. It's exactly the same thing. So I, I was I was fascinated by that um, because I I had realized that he had recycled some jokes before, but I never realized the extent that he brought stuff from yeah. Wayne's World even and into. I, I other wonder. Movies. I wonder how much that is a, a, a kind of a thing that happens with older TV shows in in general, right? Yeah. We don't. I don't really watch a lot of old SNL, and I wonder how many you know. Will Ferrell movies might have something from SNL on it, you know, things like that. Because I rewatched uh, Mash right for the for the first time ever, and back then, in the, in, when they made those uh, those TV show that TV show, the same actor would play two different characters in the same season, just like a little later on. Yeah, and it was because there were no such things as syndication reruns. They they were literally writing and be like, well, just cast him. Nobody's going to remember that he played the psychologist before eight episodes ago, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, and it's true. And so now you know you cut to 1989 to 92. YouTube doesn't exist. It, these things are one and done. So why not yeah. reuse later on? Because nobody's nobody has a tape of this. And I think that there's a little bit of that going on with it. Yeah, I, but I, I I think at the same time though, like especially when it comes to using a Wayne's world joke from the sketch and then using it again in the Wayne's world movie. Like obviously you transfer some of the vibe of like the, the overall concept of a sketch goes into the movie, but 
I don't like aside from the the basic structure of what the sketches and the characters in most of the SNL movies, you don't see repeated jokes with mm-hmm. the exception of, of Wayne's world. As far as I can remember, you know, like uh, obviously the night of the Roxbury, the repeated gag is the dancing with the, yeah, the, yeah. the next. And like, you don't have night of the Roxbury without that. Though, right, right. Exactly. So. You know? And so, but these are like specific jokes that, you know, that, that carried over uh, into the movie. I don't know if you guys noticed this, um, but the Garth's wig particularly improves in quality <laughs> yes. as soon as they have a sketch that happens during production on the Wayne's world movie. So I'm pretty sure they use the Garth wig from they the actually had a little bit of budget, sketches. you yeah. know, for, for a decent wig. And yeah, cause uh, they started shooting, uh, it was in late, uh, 1991. And then the movie came out in 1992. Wow. So they greenlit that pretty quickly, honestly, because yeah, one, it came know. together quickly too. And so, and this can trans like kind of move into me talking to Penelope Spheris, the director of the Wayne's world movie, because they shot this in 34 days, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and she said that they had a super tight schedule, uh, and it was made all the more complicated by the fact that when you're dealing with a movie that comes from SNL, you have these writers who are constantly revising the script, doing new pages and getting them to her and being like, oh, here's here we go. And she's like, I, I can't shoot this like this because like that's not how movies work. You know, we have to we storyboard. Yep. We have to plan yep. shots and stuff, We, you know. And so uh, there was a lot of, you know, challenges because of that, especially because you also have Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, who are you know, sketch comedians and they each have their own way of like some of the best ever. Live, yeah. You know, and they, they each want to make it. It's the best possible. And they're like, so she does a take. And then one of them is like, no, no, I, I can do it better. And so she's like, OK, well, let's do it again. And then Dana's like, oh, well, no, I, I can do that better, too. It's like, OK, well, let's do another take. You know, what's, what's interesting about this whole thing for me is, you know, obviously the sketch is Wayne's World. The movie is Wayne's World. Right. So Wayne Campbell is the, the the star of this but garth is a pivotal part and garth wasn't a part of the original um iteration of wayne's world right yeah i was telling uh, brad earlier that you know essentially garth happened because they said wayne you need somebody else in this sketch yeah. right you can't be the only one in this sketch we want we want you to essentially have a, a second person yeah. And Dana Carvey didn't know about it until he got to the read and he saw his name on this thing and said, okay, you're going to play this character named Garth, figure out something to do there. Right. And obviously Dana Carvey can do that in, uh, you know, better, better probably than anybody else has been on, on SNL. Cause he's such a good voice actor. He's such a good, yeah. just character, you know, guy, but, um, you know, I, I can understand that. And you probably heard about this more, Brad is you've got a character that, that Mike Myers cares deeply about. He created the character. He is, he has brought the character to life. The characters had success primarily because of him, but yet also you've got this other character now that has a life in this universe. Was there tension there? Did you pick up any, when you talked to the director? So so I, I, I mostly read about this, but apparently there was at one point where I guess Dana Carvey, uh, almost left the movie because the script as it was didn't really give Garth anything to do. It was definitely a <laughs> Wayne Campbell movie and Garth was just kind of there and not a big part of the Because Mike story. Myers wrote it for himself. Yeah, essentially. exactly. <laughs> so, but then, so when that, when he threatened to walk, they're like, okay, let you know, will we work the script and like make Garth a bigger part of the movie? And so that, that's where that came from. But, uh, you know, aside from that, it's like the, the biggest challenge comes from, you know, Mike Myers having such an investment in that character and really wanting it to be his own and, you know, clashing with Penelope Spears, who is just trying to make a cohesive movie. And honestly, like in in no time. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> and she even said that her contract wasn't finalized and they were in the middle of production. Oh, so it's a pretty 
yeah. pretty kind director to start without yeah, exactly. a finalized contract. Honestly. So it's, you know, I think it's actually kind of a miracle that the movie is as good as it is, especially because the movie really like better than I think than any other SNL movie expands so well on who Wayne and Garth are as characters and really brings you into their world outside of the TV show premise in such a cool way. Like they're, yeah. they're fully fleshed out characters and like having it set in the Midwest and, and even though they didn't shoot really much of anything in the Midwest, it was mostly in California. They really put you in. Aurora, I wouldn't have known Illinois. that. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. yeah it's it was... crazy. Uh, and so you, they, they just, they, they really did a good job of creating this whole world and this this like, background and rich history for these characters of them liking hockey and uh you know aside from which just, dana carvey could not play to right. save his life um he didn't know anything about hockey yeah. so um which is always interesting to me because they faked that movie so well yeah. i mean honestly i mean because you would have thought I, I remember almost and this is years ago when i found out that there were there was i think they've mended some fences now and in, in professionally anyway uh, but when there was some some rifts between Dana Carvey and Mike Myers, because I love those two guys so yeah. much. And when I realized that they didn't have an easy time working together a lot of times, yeah. I was almost heartbroken by yeah, it. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, man, like they're supposed to be best friends. Because <laughs> yeah, the film makes it – their chemistry in the film is so good, you yeah. know? Um, and and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it to the director for, for putting that together so well because they crafted the story to where we believed it, right? Yeah. So, so one of the things that uh, that I think it was really uh, what you guys were talking about, Lauren Michaels saying that uh, don't punch down and you don't really want to make this a negative, you know, connotation to like they're not ribbing each other. It's not about Wayne making fun of Garth, really. You know, he knows that he doesn't like the leprechaun in the sketch, right? So he does the leprechaun to kind of screw with him a little bit, right? And Another then, joke that they steal and put yeah. in Wayne's world too. So there's a lot of that, like where they he Wayne screws with Garth because Garth is very naive, right? The character, but he definitely the characters love each other, and it's it's a it's a brotherly relationship, and it's he has it's his back when it comes to it. He wants him to succeed. That is that was super rare, and up until I saw uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's characters. They don't ever have a falling out. They just are bros and they like each other and they support yeah. each other. Like that was similarly done in Wayne's world where they just liked each other. There wasn't uh, there wasn't a poison, the, the friendship moment where they had to come back from something. It was a little bit, but not not nowhere near what they always do in Hollywood. Right. The trope yeah. is like I, I spurned my best friend and he hates me and now I got to win him back or whatever. And well, so to be just, fair, well, to be fair, they, they do have that in the like in, in the movie, but it's like it's meant to, that that's because of just the structure of movies itself, you know, like right. they, like Wayne has to fall, he has to like have his low point, which is he loses his Sandra, he pisses off Garth, and then he has to like get it all back. Um, but I think that they're the, the characters. It does have that does happen, but the idea that it, it is brief. All, though. It was all yeah. very positive for the most yep. part, for the most yep. time. Yeah, you know, it wasn't this long drawn out set piece of it it was that boom and then right back so and that's that that really stuff like that is a product of, of lauren michaels actually that's one of the things that uh penelope first talked about uh in my in my interview she said um because he wasn't on set a lot she said he was maybe around three or four days during like the entire shoot but he would watch dailies he would offer his input every now and then and j because everyone has a lauren michaels impression she did one while she was talking about the things that that he said but no she, she said uh I, I don't think he would watch dailies every day but he would call me and he would say you know penelope you can't ever go into anything negative nothing negative we only want positive stuff here that's a pretty good uh, Lauren. <laughs> I, i'll give it to you and so uh like there was stuff that 
for example, so one of the things that they couldn't fix that Lorne Michaels would have preferred that they did if it didn't cost so much was uh, that shot of Wayne's ex-girlfriend, Stacy, falling through that big window. Yeah. Like uh, it, they made it look a little too real because yep. Penelope Spheres had experience shooting action movies. So she knew exactly how to do it. But that window cost thousands of dollars and so they're like well we're not shooting that again yep. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. they didn't fix that but like one of the things that uh specific things that penelope spheris adhered to is um he said uh the, the character phil who is like perpetually drunk and hung over and always on the verge of throwing up uh apparently lauren said he's like if phil's got a spew then he's got to not he can't show any vomit he's got to pretend <laughs> and so <laughs> penelope was like okay well i guess then we'll we'll avoid that and so um he That's just, a great Doctor Evil, by the way. <laughs> I know. He always had like he had such weird philosophies of just like always kind of like being on the cusp of doing something that was vaguely naughty or inappropriate without really going for it. You know. Here's an interesting uh, little tidbit uh, for those of you that are also film fans: is I just looked it up. Wayne's World had a twenty million dollar budget, which yeah. honestly not a bad budget for a comedy, especially in nineteen ninety two. In nineteen ninety two, I don't know if you get twenty million dollars today to make comedies as much because they're 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 just not as much of a profit center as yeah, you know. I, well, I mean, even worse today, like they're not making yeah exactly. In, in so general, twenty million dollars in nineteen ninety two for a movie uh, for a a comedy is yeah. is pretty great, honestly. And I think that speaks to the power of Saturday Night Live as well, just yep. how big it had risen and how big its profile was in the nineties. Yeah, what 181 million dollars? Yeah, something like that. It, in 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 1991 or two money, whatever. So yeah. it's like seven billion now, <laughs> if my if my math is correct. So, um, you know, Brad, when you interviewed the director, what's her name again? Penelope. Penelope Spheris. Uh, Penelope Spheris. You've done a lot of background research on on Wayne's World. Obviously, we all know the the show fairly well. Was there anything in there that you were kind of surprised to learn or anything that was kind of, you know, something that you you really hadn't known before that you thought was kind of cool? Not not anything like super indefinite. That I, uh, the one thing that I uh, wanted to ask about is the difficulty they had figuring out the the brands that they used for the product placement scene. Sure. Because uh, they have Doritos. Brilliant have scene. Pizza yep. Hut and all this stuff. And apparently initially uh, they wanted Nike for the clothing and for the shoes that garth was going to be wearing in that scene uh but nike didn't want to do it and i guess like it was at the last minute that they got permission like from reebok to actually do it they had shot all the other products that they were using and everything and they were like she's like they were like i need the shoes i need to know what we're doing and they finally got the reebok approval and and did that that's cool. Uh, again, so many things because I, I did rewatch the movie and I'll say this, the, the movie aged better for me because I hadn't watched it in probably 10 years. I mean, it'd been See, a while. A, that's a movie that I watched like at least once a year. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched it in a long time. And so I was glad I did. What's that? I've never, I've never seen it. <laughs> you know, we'll watch it together when you get back from uh, Tahiti or wherever you're at. It's not really I, feet anyway, Ben. I saw Wayne's World 2. Does that help? <laughs> a, a little bit. Because <laughs> Wayne's World 2 didn't do as well, did it? No, but I think I honestly think Wayne's World 2 is still really good. As far as comedy sequels go, I think it's one of the best comedy It was one of those where I read that it, it it's not necessarily critically thought of as, as well. Yeah. And, and again... My impression of all of these movies are from a 13-year-old boy that yeah. has childish humor, right? So I loved them all, right? I mean, yeah. it, it could it, – you had to – all you had to do is put Chris Farley in a movie and I would love it. <laughs> I don't care if he's out west. I don't care if he's, you know, in, in Sandusky. I don't care where Chris Farley is. I'm going to love it, right? Yeah. I don't know. If, so, this, 
is good or bad, but we're watching the uh, the YouTube sketches right before we uh, did this. And my dad is, you know, sitting right next to me. We're watching these things. And any sort of innuendo joke, murders. He is just <laughs> on, like, like knee slapping, like, oh, my God, that's a, that's a good one. You know, like, I'm like, what? He said two pickets to Pittsburgh. I thought my dad was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> And I'm like, why are you letting? He goes, well, that's vaudeville right there. That's a, that's the oldest joke I've ever. And he's like talking about how how it's like meta commentary on vaudeville, and and this was edgy for its time. And I remember watching it when the wall fell and communism was over. And he he remembers watching those sketches. Yeah. And he brought up that uh, which is a good point about the the actual sketches rather than the movie was that they did that one thing every single sketch where they dropped all the comedy and went right into, well, the neopolitical fascists. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they almost always yeah. did that, yeah. And, and then, of course, then Garth would say, sucks, or whatever, and it would just be okay. That was really well done uh, because it was another another gear that they could take the characters to, and I, I he really appreciated that about it. The one that thing that caught me off guard that I laughed really hard at, and it's such an immature thing, is the uh, some of the slang that they use that wasn't ever used in the movies. But like when he said uh, "massive snoobs" as, <laughs> as slang for boobs, I was like, that's hilarious. <laughs> also, just the, for you know uh, historical context, right? Worst name, Wolf Blitzer. Really? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, <laughs> how it was is the explosion guy? <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting though. I do hope some of our listeners that are fans of the show go back and as Brad said, go to the YouTube channel for SNL and and they they yeah, really made it easy on you. Um and, and watch some of the first ones. It, it it's so fun to watch, but they're not great. Um and you know, they're a little long. They're a little they're still working out some of their bits. They're there. The the framework is there, yeah. but they're not as skilled at it yet, yeah. right? They're not really, they don't have the timing perfectly yet. And it so has a lot like grunge music and alternative music, this has like a grunge comedy, yeah. alternative comedy vibe. And, yeah. not, and not just because of the characters having that, you know, style and preference as far as like their music and stuff, but just because of the kind of jokes they were going for, like that was pretty new at the time. Yes, you know, yeah, it was, and, and it is interesting, Brad. There, there's probably an academic uh, study that can be done on some of these things because I think um, Ben had mentioned, you know, in, in 1989, obviously my wife's Romanian. The fall of a lot of communist countries at the time, including hers. You have uh, grunge coming to the scene. The world was changing so drastically at that time. And you can see just in these sketches, so was comedy, right? Yeah. So was comedy. And uh, it's fun to see it and and had such lasting impact on SNL, but also just in how we connect with movies and comedy. And, yeah. Because, uh, like, I, I, Wayne, and, Wayne and Garth always get compared to the likes of, like, Bill and Ted, especially. Yep, yep. But Wayne and Garth are – they really are different than Bill and Ted because they – they have this ironic comedy side to them. They're not just like a couple of dipshits, you know, even yep. though they, they kind of talk yep. like that. Like there is like an intelligent side to their immaturity and in the the comedy that, you know, comes from the show. Um, and so like it's it would be easy to like disregard them as like, you know, two more stoner characters. But there's there's a certain level of sophistication there alongside the immaturity that I think really like enhances it and makes it it makes the nineties different from the eighties. And it was grunge before cynicism. Right. Yeah. And so, which, which is kind of fun because it is, it's characters that don't care uh, about conforming. Yeah. 
yet they're also not cynical, which which makes great comedy, yeah. right? Um, because I some of again I like cynical comedy as well, but some of my favorite comedy is Ted Lasso. Yeah. It's it it fights against the cynicism, yeah, sure. and they kind of do that. So um, it, it's it again. It was a great gift, honestly. To rewatch some of these sketches, to rewatch the film on what the thirtieth anniversary? Yeah, 30, 30 years this year. It's crazy. We're and very, very uh, old. tell me that when you get interrupted, ever you don't still say "car." <laughs> I still say that to this day. Yeah, it's the, the lasting impression of all those. When swing, and that was the first time I again, first time I knew a sarcasm one saying, you know, uh, I like your shirt, not. And uh, uh, I remember going to school and saying uh, sphincter boy. And my, my mom got really mad at me because she I didn't know what it was, obviously. But I got in big trouble for that one. I, I remember a time when uh, we were getting Chinese food and I not even knowing what the joke meant said, I'll have the cream of some young guy. And my mom was like, Brad, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, what? It's from Wayne's World. And she's like, you can't say that. Stop embarrassing <laughs> the family, Brad. Um, one of the, one of the ones that I still say to this very day, uh, is when, if like someone is going somewhere and like, I, I'm not doing anything or I'm just staying home and I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just sit here and lick the cat's butt. <laughs> uh, I always, uh, again, uh, for the, our listeners that don't know, I'm also a, a pastor. Yeah. Surprise. Um, but I always do when I talk about in the past, I always go, you know, just, just just to try to tell people like we're going we're going to a different timeline. And yeah. for me, it's the only way to do it, to give them some kind of physical representation that we're going to talk about something in the past. Yeah. I don't think anybody else gets it, but I do. And that's all that matters. <laughs> so um, I, I hope I hope you watch the movies i hope you watch the sketches and most importantly i hope you read uh, brad's article with uh the director um penelope spheres yeah, it's remember. at slashfilm.com it's a, a full interview where i talked to her for about 15 minutes it's a great interview you thanks. did a great job there thanks, um and uh it'll give you a little bit of a more of a backstory it'll talk a little bit about the not i, I don't know can we say feuding there's a little bit of a feud between the two yeah, of the main I, I characters think they, and tension maybe yeah. They're not. I don't think they're quite as candid about it anymore because they've kind of buried the hatchet. They, yep. They've had some reunion panels and stuff yep. since then where they talk about having some of the attention, but they clearly don't like hold any resentment to each other anymore. About and I think that they they kind of probably avoid talking about that kind of stuff now. They just want to like focus on the good stuff that came out of out of the movie. Yeah, uh, and, and we'll end the show here real quick. But one of the things that I thought was interesting is Chris Rock talked about this. Is you know when Chris Rock left to go to In Living Color. Um, he said one of the differences is at SNL, when you come up with a character, it's your character. You write the character, yeah. you own the character. You live in color. If you have a good character, anybody can write for that character, yeah. right? And you just say, we're putting this character in here. And 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 so SNL does kind of encourage ownership. And I think Mike Myers felt like he owned this character, yeah, right? Sure. And so, you know, as as I think sometimes, you know, again, as as I still love Mike Myers, Myers so much, and sometimes he can get a little bit of a, I think, a bad reputation for being notoriously difficult to work with. I also understand that you created a character; it's a brilliant character, yeah. and you're protective of a character that sure. you love. You know, so um, I want to give him a, a little bit of props there too. Because you're going to spew, spew into this. 
(laughs) (laughs) So that's all we got. We're going to be back next week, um, and we're going to talk about the next episode. Who's on the show next week, Bradley? John Mulaney is hosting uh, Five Timers Club. That should be pretty fun. Hopefully better than Paul Rudd's unfortunate initiation because of terrible Omicron. Uh, And LCD LCD Sound System will be the musical. Will there, Ben, will there be a musical number from John Mulaney? And Keenan Thompson and the great, you know, what was it, Lobster? Uh, I don't think so. You don't I don't think they, they've, they've made it a tradition now, though. I mean, it is it is almost. Didn't, yeah. didn't they? He's done it four times, but have they done it all four times, or is it? They've only, only been, done it two or three, but I think I think they've three. Done, they've done they, it three. Yeah, because they didn't do it his first time. And I think they've done it three times every every, every time I, since. I'm waiting for it. I, I hope yeah. they I do think, it. My prediction is he had those three ideas. And, and I think that, that he never got to do them, and I think he's gotten to do them. And so I think that that's – now we're not going to see Come up with the fourth. Deal. Dude, you're a comedy writer. Come up with the fourth. What does it do? <laughs> <laughs> I want to see – I want to see – I mean my my dream of dreams here is for Paul Rudd to come back this episode and get – just get in on the five-timers club yeah. and make that part of the sketch. It won't yeah, happen. I still feel bad for Paul Rudd. <laughs> I would love to see a, a big – reveal of like a lot of the old guys five timers club and and uh tina fey i would love to just see all that i'd love to see martin short as the as the uh, concierge you know and just really do a big and, and that one can go on too long you can do 10 minutes on that so yeah, that's yeah. you really want to because yeah. paul rudd deserves a little bit but and john yeah, uh, done four times already so it's do okay. 10 minutes of that and not judge janine please Exactly. Or you know what? Let's start it off with a a top 10 list from Wayne's World because clearly that's a great way to do a cold open that we learned. I didn't know they did it 11 times as as a cold open. Do we have – Brad, I didn't – I know the calendar for the next three episodes is out. It's three episodes in a row, right? So we're going to have three shows in a row. Do you remember any of the other guests on there or no? Uh, I I believe the second one is Oscar Isaac. Oh, yeah. I think didn't we – I think one of us named him as a potential uh, guest for this uh, season – Obviously, got a lot of stuff coming out. Um, yeah, Oscar Isaac on uh, March fifth. With he could be fun. I, I'm hoping he's a, he's a, a good uh, guest. Musical guest Charlie XCX, and then March twelfth, uh, Zoe Kravitz, who we'll see soon as Catwoman in the new Batman movie uh, with musical guest Rosalia. I love Which- it. Yeah, that can be fun. So we're going to have three episodes in a row here after this. We'll try to get those out Monday or Tuesday, get them recorded and everything, get them to our our listeners. We really appreciate everyone listening to the show and being a part of the conversation. Um, Ben, where can people find you, man? They can find me uh, currently in Palm Springs, California. Brad, how about you? Uh, slashfilm.com where I'm writing about TV and movies all the time including reviewing every new episode of SNL in text form if you like to read uh, on Sundays after the new episodes come out also Slashfilm Daily our podcast where we cover the biggest news and TV stories and I'm on there once or twice a week at Ethan underscore Anderton on Twitter and uh, Nate how about you? Yeah you can find me at Nate Lauks on Twitter and uh, the Pax Pastor on Facebook all those kind of things uh, go to the 10 to 1 you can find us uh, on Facebook 10 to 1 podcast on facebook and also on twitter follow us on there i will post on our twitter page and our facebook page the interview that brad did on slash film with the director and uh you can find all that stuff there and read it again great interview brad you did a great job doing that thanks buddy uh, brad you did a really good job thanks not oh Swing, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Bye.